He said, I don't see you at the club. And I said, I don't see you at the bank. People gotta live their life and do their thing. Let me live, let me breathe, let me be. He said, I don't see you at the club. And I said, I don't see you at the bank. People gotta live their life and do their thing. Let me live, let me breathe, let me be. Let me live, let me breathe, let me be. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2017, and we are live today. We made it through another week, second full week in the Donald Trump regime, and he's still making stupid moves as usual. So today we saw an executive order that attacks Dodd-Frank and waters down regulations that were put in place to protect consumers. He's doing the bidding of Wall Street. He's doing the bidding of corporate America. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about that. He ran on the platform that he was for the little guy. He talked about uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's connections to Goldman Sachs. He put six people in his cabinet who are from Goldman Sachs, who formerly worked for them or had ties to Goldman Sachs. Then he signs this executive order today, scaling back the sweeping 2010 Dodd-Frank financial regulatory framework enacted under President Obama as a direct response to the financial crisis. As I, I've been warning people for months about this liar, Donald Trump, I've been warning people for months about this guy, and I told you he is a absolute fraud and he's going to screw the people who put him in office. And you see what's happening. You see what's happening. OK. All right. So uh, on today's show, we'll talk about that a little bit. I, I want to go back to this topic dealing with um, uh, Donald Trump and Frederick Douglass. OK, because we're going to talk some about Frederick Douglass today. And, you know, we deal with. African history and African American history on an almost daily basis here on the show. Okay, but we're going to talk about that some uh, today, and then also uh, Mike Pence loses his mind as well uh, because Mike Pence tweets about um, uh, Black History Month, and he gives credit to a white man. Okay, uh, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. All right. So it's very, 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 very interesting here. They, they it's clear they know absolutely nothing about African-American history. OK. And OK, so we're putting this information on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network. So we're going to talk about that some today uh, and, and talk some about uh, uh, Frederick Douglass. OK, very, very important. All right. And and Frederick Douglass is doing some, you know, he's had he has done some great things. He's done Frederick Douglass has done some amazing things. And, you know, more and more people are learning about Frederick Douglass every day, as as, as Donald Trump said. OK. All right. All right. Um, all right. So on the Michael M. Hotel show, we focus on educating, empowering and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, this corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, 
and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the show. We deal with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter. And go to our website, uh, or go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Sign up for our email newsletter there as well, okay? Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TuneIn.com, and Periscope, and Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TuneIn.com, and Periscope. And also follow our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. Okay, two very, very important announcements. One, those in the Atlanta area. Dave Anderson, founder of the Empowerment Radio Network. He's doing a screening of the documentary Generation One uh, this evening, Friday, February 3rd, 2017, 7 p.m. It'll probably go to about 10 p.m. Uh, in Atlanta at 444 Highland Avenue Northeast, 444 Highland Avenue Northeast in uh, Atlanta. Uh, he's screaming the film, screening the film Generation One, The Search for Black Wealth, Generation One, The Search for Black Wealth. Uh, and he's going to speak also. He's going to talk about three strategies for wealth creation, business development, real estate development and foreign currency exchange. Business development, real estate development, real estate development, and foreign currency exchange. And the film Generation One features Dr. Boyce Watkins, economist, economist Dr. Julian Malvo, author of the book Real Money Answers, Patrice Washington, uh, uh, David Anderson's in the film also, and some other people as well. Go to uh, economicempowermentseminar.com, economicempowermentseminar.com uh, for more information. It's free to attend. They have the information there, how the RSVP, okay? Then I want to let you know that I'm doing a webinar, uh, my first webinar. I'm doing a webinar tomorrow, Saturday, February 4th, um, 2017, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, and the webinar is dealing with um, uh, African-American history. It's uh, Should African-Americans Celebrate? Uh, Black History Month exposing the myths. Should African Americans celebrate Black History Month exposing the myths? Okay, so uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. tomorrow. It's a free webinar I'm doing uh, dealing with our history. We're going to post the information on the thread of the Facebook Live broadcast uh, right now. We also have the information on our um, Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. We have the information there as well. We're going to put it on our website uh, this evening. We'll have it on the website, and uh, we'll send out an email uh, newsletter for it also. Okay? So if you don't get our email newsletter, uh, you can sign up for it. Text the word KEMET, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828, uh, or go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And uh, at the top of the page, click on newsletter. You can sign up for it there. Okay. All right. 
Thanks to everybody who came out to my presentation yesterday uh, at the Jungle Juice Bar here uh, in uh, out, right outside of Detroit. Dealt with Should African Americans Celebrate Black History Month, Exposing the Myths. And that full presentation is available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Full presentation is four and a half hours, okay? All right, so also on today's show, I want to talk a little bit about Tamron Hall, because Tamron Hall's last day uh, was uh, January 31st. It was Tuesday with uh, MSNBC and NBC. And that's uh, that's sad news. She's an excellent, excellent journalist. Um, asked the hard questions. But um, you have some people looking at the move to bring over uh, Megyn Kelly to uh, NBC News as a whitewashing. And there's an article from Huffington Post, Huffington, Huffington Post uh, Black Voices that talks about this, a whitewashing uh, taking place at... Uh, NBC and MSNBC. Okay. All right. Well, we know that um, a couple days ago uh, was actually what was that Wednesday. We know that uh, Donald Trump had a photo op with uh, Amarosa and Dr. Ben Carson and some other African American Republicans, and they're sitting around the table, skinning and grinning, and Donald Trump is uh, allegedly honoring African-American History Month, okay? And he said, quote, I'm very proud now that we have a museum on the National Mall where people can learn about Reverend uh, Martin Luther King, uh, so many others. Uh, Frederick Douglass is an example of somebody who has done an, an amazing job that is being recognized more and more. I noticed I noticed, um, so these are some of the comments. When we come back, we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to get into um, Frederick Douglass, okay? Um, and Governor Mike Pence tweeted about Black History Month to honor it, but he, he, he honored it by talking about Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves. He didn't talk about any African Americans. He talked about a white man freeing the slaves. Interesting. He, he didn't talk about the 186,000 African Americans who fought in the Civil War, who fought for their freedom. Very interesting. Okay. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where knowledge is power. All right. So, how's everybody doing on Facebook? It's been a very, very busy week, long week. I'm tired. And I did the presentation last night also. See, we had a really good turnout. All right, on Facebook, we have William uh, from Tennessee. Uh, Antron uh, Bailey. He said, Mike Pence is dumber than Dan Quayle. I mean, these guys that are not ready for primetime players, I tell you, man, these are some idiots. These are the not ready for primetime players. All right, the documentary um, Hidden Colors 4, The Religion of White Supremacy, is available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And we have the Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack. You get all four installments of Hidden Colors. You get four of my DVD presentations and one installment of Afro Man and Protectors of the Book of Knowledge that's available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com AfricanHistoryNetwork.com 
All right, on Facebook, Tamika, how you doing? Tamika Flowers, uh, Ben Ben Ugorji. All right, everybody watching, share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in uh, as well. Okay, Antron. um, Okay, which are you in Detroit, Antron? Um, okay, Chris Brown in uh, from Texas, uh, Deandra Johnson in Philadelphia, Sazi O'Kara. Okay, how you doing, Sazi? All right, here's a clip from Hidden Colors for the Religion of White Supremacy. ...of African people and inserting themselves into that history. The Greeks were the last race of people that the Egyptians passed the arcane knowledge on to. That's why this came this Greek to me came from. They were the last ones that the Egyptians gave that to. It took three generations of Greeks under Egyptian rulership that they could finally find one that they could teach. Now the Egyptians call their land Kemet, and they use a piece of charcoal, a burnt piece of wood as charcoal, to symbolize what they mean, the blackest black. And all of their carvings of themselves, they paint their skins dark brown or black. They have white paint, red paint, yellow paint, but they paint themselves black. How anyone in the world, with so much information available for the public to see, can even be under any illusions that the Egyptian is even light-skinned. Just when you look at climate and weather, if you go to Egypt, you will notice that the weather is quite hot. And you will notice that it is almost impossible to be able to be outside dressed the way the carvings on the walls are as it relates to the people. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. All right. That's an excerpt from Hidden Colors for Religion and White Supremacy, available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All of my DVD lectures are there. We also have the Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack where you get nine DVD presentations in that bundle pack. Okay, so... Um, Wednesday, during a uh, morning round ty- roundtable discussion with some African American Republicans, uh, this was honoring African American History Month. Um, Donald Trump said this: uh, "I am very proud now that we have a museum in the National Mall where people can learn about Reverend King, so many other things. Frederick Doug- Douglass is an example of." somebody who's done an amazing job and is being recognized more and more, I notice. Harriet Tubman, Rosa Parks, and millions more black Americans who made America what it is today. Big impact. Okay, um, we have problems with this clip here. Just a What it is today. Big impact. All right, we'll get that going. Okay, so um, then you had uh, Mike Pence, former governor of um, Indiana. Huffington Post Black Voices has an article yesterday. He said, um, he tweeted, uh, trying to acknowledge African American History Month, right? 
trying to acknowledge African American History Month. In a tweet, he said, as Black History Month begins, we remember when President Lincoln submitted the 13th, submitted the 13th Amendment ending slavery to the states. Hashtag National Freedom Day. Hashtag National Freedom Day. Really? Uh, that's, what, that's, that's where you want to start the history with? Now, uh, Mike Pence's tribute to Abraham, uh, former President Abraham Lincoln did not sit well with many on Twitter who, call, who called out the tone-deaf tweet and implored the vice president to become better acquainted with the achievements of black men and women. As, as kind Twitter users reminded uh, uh, Mike Pence, Black History Month is a time to honor black people in American history. Now, Ava DuVernay, Ava DuVernay uh, director of the movie Selma and director of the documentary 13th, she tweeted, maybe remember when actual black people did stuff besides Ben Carson and Omarosa, of course, and um, about that 13th Amendment. Oh, never mind. Because we know that the 13th Amendment is going to, because of the 13th Amendment and because of the black codes, it's going to re-enslave a lot of African Americans into the convict leasing system and, and into the sharecropping system. Now, Joe Gibbs uh, on Twitter said, as Black History Month begins, let's, some, let's somehow find a way to make this about white people. I think blacks should be thankful uh, for uh, um and he signs it Mike Pence. Simone D. Sanders on Twitter said, what the hell is wrong with Mike Pence and the Trump administration? This is just downright stupid. I implore you to raise the bar. Francesca Ramsey on Twitter said, can't wait for Women's History Month when Pence and Trump thank the brave dudes who let us have a month outside the kitchen. So you had a lot of comments like that on Twitter and Mike Pence showing how tone deaf he is. But this is the same guy who doesn't want to acknowledge that implicit bias in policing is a problem. So you can see why he's tone deaf, right? All right. So uh, news1.com uh, has an article from uh, Wednesday. President Trump on Black History Month. Frederick Douglass has done an amazing job. This is exactly what we didn't need on the first day of February. OK. And as I said uh, on Wednesday's show, because we didn't broadcast live yesterday, I had to do my lecture at the Jungle Juice Bar. As we said on Wednesday's show, it didn't it didn't appear that Donald Trump knew that Frederick Douglass died in 1895. Didn't knew that Frederick Douglass wasn't alive anymore. OK. Um, Huffington Post Black Voices has another article. More and more about Frederick Douglass. More and more about Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass' accomplishments are still very much alive, not just during Black History Month, but every month. Now, as co-founder of Frederick Douglass Family Initiatives, this is written by uh, Robert Benz, who's the co-founder of Frederick Douglass Family Initiatives. Robert Benz, B-E-N-Z. As co-founder of Frederick Douglass Family Initiatives, I'm able to publish exclusively the following statement from the direct descendants of Frederick Douglass. The president's comments 
from the Roosevelt Room of the White House about Frederick Douglass were noted and appreciated by us, the Douglass family. In fact, we believe if we had more time to elaborate, if he had more time to elaborate, the president would have mentioned the following. Frederick Douglass has done an amazing job enduring the inhumanity of slavery after being born heir to anguish and exploitation, uh, but still managing to become a force for solace and liberty when America needed it most. Recognizing that knowledge was his pathway to freedom at such a tender age, teaching himself to read and write and becoming one of the country's most eloquent spokespersons. Standing up to his overseer to say that, quote, I am a man because he beat up his uh, uh, master when he was about 16 years old and ran away. Risking life and limb by uh, uh, by escaping the uh, abhorrent institution, institution of slavery, composing the narrative of his life and helping to expose slavery for the crime against humankind that it is. Persuading the American public and Abraham Lincoln that we are all equal and deserving of the right to live free. Establishing the North Star newspaper when there was very little in the way of navigation or hope for the millions of enslaved persons. Because this was an abolitionist newspaper that he established. Okay, And he established a newspaper with Martin Delaney, if I remember correctly. Supporting the rights of women when few men of such importance endeavored to do so. Arguing, uh, arguing against unfair U.S. immigration restrictions. Understanding that racism in America is part of our quote-unquote diseased imagination. Diseased imagination. Recruiting his sons who were born free to fight in the war to end the enslavement of other African Americans. Being appointed the first African-American U.S. Marshal by President Rutherford B. Hayes. So this is uh, after 1870 or either in 1877 or after 1877 because Rutherford B. Hayes becomes president in 1877. Being appointed U.S. Minister to Haiti by President Benjamin Harrison. Serving as a compelling role model for all Americans for nearly two centuries. Uh, we, we look forward to helping reanimate Douglas's passion for equality and justice. We encourage the president to join in that effort. Like like uh, President Trump, we use the present tense when referring Douglas's accomplishments because his spirit and legacy are still very much alive, not just during Black History Month, but every month. Leading up to the bicentennial of Douglas's birth in February 2018, here are some of the initiatives that we, the Frederick Douglass family, will be implementing, as well as some of those we hope to implement with the support of this administration. The institutions it leads and the American people, black, brown, and white alike. So uh, you'll have the publishing, pub, they'll, they'll publish the bicentennial edition 
of narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. Uh, they, they, they'll give uh, a hard copy of the book to one million young people in schools, churches, clubs, and detention centers as part of their one million abolitionist project. They'll collaborate to protect, they'll, they'll collaborate to develop the Protect Human Trafficking Prevention Education Program in the state of California, Protect Human Trafficking uh, prevention education program in the state of California. They'll also create a national Frederick Douglass curriculum for elementary and secondary schools as well as colleges. Now, this was already planned before Donald Trump said, made those comments on Wednesday showing he has no clue who Frederick Douglass is. Somebody should have somebody should have said, hey, why don't we invite Frederick Douglass over to the White House to talk about the problems in Chicago? He probably would have said, yeah, let's do that. Or he probably would have said, oh, you know, I, I talked to Mike Pence about that last night. We think that's a good idea. Now, also renaming the original bill that governs the nation's anti-human trafficking work domestically and abroad. They want to rename it the Trafficking Victim Prevention and Protection Act. Also, renaming the bill to honor uh, Frederick Douglass during his bicentennial, uh, the Frederick Douglass Trafficking Victims Prevention and Protection Act. They want to rename that as well. Um, there are These are just a few examples of how Frederick Douglass has impacted and will continue to impact this country. We look forward to helping reanimate Frederick Douglass's passion for equality and justice over the coming year leading up to his bicentennial in 2018. We encourage the president to join in that effort. In freedom, the Frederick Douglass family. So that's the education on Frederick Douglass for Donald Trump who probably knew nothing about Frederick Douglass. I wanted, I, 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 hopefully he didn't think Frederick, hopefully he didn't think Frederick Douglass owned a chain of lingerie stores uh, called Fredericks of Hollywood. Ho hopefully he didn't think that's the same like Frederick. I hope not. But with this guy, you never know. All right, we'll be back in a few minutes. Listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. We'll be back in a few minutes. You would get melanoma before we even knew melanoma existed. So they could not have been uh, depigmented or less pigmented. They had to have been heavily pigmented. So what we have then is various eyewitness descriptions where people visited Egypt and they left an account of the Egyptians in their texts. So what you have is people like Herodotus who describes them as black-skinned and woolly-haired. Galen who describes them as having short, black, dry, and brittle hair. Not to mention, as Dr. Clark has taught us, where in the world did they do what they did in Africa? He used to say, are you telling me that Eurasians came out of Europe and built Africa up, but never went back to Europe to develop their civilizations the way they did in Africa? Or does it make sense that it was built up in Africa and it was sporadically brought across the globe to China? and to Iraq and to uh, Iran and into Europe uh, where you have the Stonehenge. Would that make better sense? So the answer is, there is no question at this point. 
many of the artifacts that are on display in many of the Egyptian collections around the world are fakes. Nefertiti statue is of doubtful authenticity. That's a posh way of saying it's almost certainly a fake. A number of scholars have come out quite recently. Henri Sterling in um, Switzerland, he's come out and said, listen, this is a 100-year forgery. If there is hundreds of paintings of Nefertiti and all of them are black, all of the statues in the Cairo Museum of Nefertiti is black, only this one little white statue in Germany is white. Something's wrong with that picture. Marx was instructed to use the face of Lud uh, Ludwig's wife, Emily Bruchard. So the face that supposedly was the most beautiful face of ancient history is actually the features of uh, Ludwig Bruchard's wife, Emily Bruchard. So now, that's not even the half of it. Hmm, beautiful statue came out of the ground. Mm, no, it didn't come out of the ground. What happened was he, Brochard, was forced to bring it forward after 11 years. So what did he do? He took the head that Marx made, went back to the Tel Alamar site, covered it up with dirt, and came out and had a photo op as if that's how he found it. One common lie and misconception that many white supremacists likes to, like to promote is that the African people didn't invent the wheel. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network. Okay, that was an excerpt, uh, once again, of Hidden Colors for the Religion of White Supremacy, available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and we have the Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack. want to remind you uh, uh, that this evening, Friday, February 3rd, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., at uh, 444 Highland Avenue, Northeast in Atlanta, Georgia, 444 Highland Avenue, Northeast in Atlanta, Georgia. Dave Anderson, founder, founder of the Empowerment Radio Network, is doing a screening of the documentary Generation One, The Search for Black Wealth. Generation One, The Search for Black Wealth. He's featured in the film, and he's also going to discuss three strategies for wealth creation. Business development, real estate development, and foreign currency exchange. Business development real estate development, and foreign currency exchange. Okay, go to economicempowermentseminar.com, economicempowermentseminar.com for more information. And uh, also remind you that I'm doing a, a webinar uh, tomorrow, Saturday, February 4th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. It's online, it's free, and we're dealing with should African Americans celebrate Black History Month, exposing the myths. So uh, we have the information on our fan page, the African History Network. We'll get this on our website uh, this evening also, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? And we'll send out an email blast uh, this evening for it also. Between this evening and tomorrow morning, we'll send out an email blast because uh, I'm going to bed early tonight. It's been a crazy, busy week. Okay, so on Facebook, uh, Portia Cooper said, hope you can get some rest this weekend. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, Cynthia Clay said, if you ask me, the billionaire friends decided when Obama was in office that they would put him up to run as long as he gave them jobs in government. Um, this to them was done as a joke, not realizing 
uh, he would actually win. I think she's referring to Trump. Uh, they need to stop making excuses for that man. Uh, I think they were I think they're referring to Donald Trump. Okay. All right. Now, BlackPass.org has um, a good article uh, about uh, Frederick Douglass. So we're going to go to that here in just a minute. Uh, now, Frederick Douglass uh, lived from 1818 to 1895. He was a prominent American abolitionist. He was an author and orator. He was born a slave, and he escaped uh, at the age of, okay, escaped the, at the age of 20. All right, I thought it was 16. I think that was Bass Reeves that escaped at 16, but he escaped at the age of 20 and went on to become a world-renowned anti-slavery activist. His three autobiographies are considered important works of the slave narrative uh, tradition as well as classics of American uh, of, of American autobiography. Frederick Douglass uh, work as a reformer ranged from his abolitionist activities in the early 1840s to his attacks on Jim Crow and lynching in the 1890s. For 16 years, he edited an influential black newspaper and achieved international fame as an inspiring and persuasive speaker and writer. In thousands of speeches and editorials, he levied a powerful indictment against slavery and racism, provided an indomitable uh, voice of, how, uh, of hope for his people, embraced anti-slavery politics, and preached his own brand of American uh, ideas. Uh, an abolitionist writer and orator, Frederick Douglass was the most important black American leader of the 19th century. Uh, born Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey on Maryland's eastern shore, uh, he was the son of a slave woman and probably her white master. Upon his escape from slavery at age 20, he adopted the name of the hero of Sir Walter Scott's The Lady of the Lake, The Lady of the Lake. Now, Douglas immortalized his years as a slave in a narrative of, in, in the book Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American Slave, which came out in 1845. This and two subsequent autobiographies, My Bondage and My Freedom in 1855, and The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass in 1881, marked his greatest contributions to American culture. Written as anti-slavery propaganda and personal revelation, they are regarded as the finest examples of the slave narrative tradition and as classics of American uh, autobiography. Okay, And that is uh, an excerpt from uh, History.com. History.com, they have an um, article on Frederick Douglass also. All right. Now, I, I remember seeing an episode of the TV show Bonanza, an episode of Bonanza, and they have Frederick Douglass in there. Frederick Douglass is passing through the town. If I remember correctly, it was William Marshall who played the role of Frederick Douglass in that episode of Bonanza. OK. Um, but uh, the article from um, BlackPass.org um Here's an excerpt of it. Frederick Douglass' life spanned important decades, 
of American history in which the contradictions of race, class, and gender were debated. Douglas played a crucial role in those debates. He spoke out against uh, northern race prejudice as well as southern slavery. Uh, he challenged uh, segregated Sabbaths, either white or black, and criticized the race prejudice of uh, immigrant labor organizations, uh, which excluded black freedmen. Okay, um, and you you have to understand the labor unions were created. Uh, most of your labor unions, um, we we find them being created after slavery ends to protect jobs for white men. Okay, because there were at least at least two hundred and sixty-two skills, trades, and crafts that African people had in this country from sixteen nineteen to eighteen sixty-five, and once slavery ends, then these former slaves are able to compete for these jobs. Okay, so the labor union we see the National Labor Union created in eighteen sixty-six. You're going to see other labor unions, uh, American Federation of Labor and um, AFL uh, created things like this to protect these jobs for white men. Okay. Now, Frederick Douglass once remarked that his son could more easily become an apprentice in a Boston law firm than in any working man's organization, even while realize, even while realizing this was the only male speaker at the Seneca Falls, New York Convention, in which Elizabeth Cady Stanton and other activists issued a quote-unquote declaration of women's rights. Frederick Douglass, arguably, uh, Frederick Douglass gave argu arguably his most famous uh, 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 speech, quote, uh, is called, what, uh, what to the Slave is the Fourth of July? What to the Slave is the Fourth of July? in Rochester, New York, on July 5th, 1852, okay? His theme was that American liberty was a fraud replete with thinly veiled crimes that would embarrass uh, a nation of savages. Now, as the United States rushed towards the Civil War, Frederick Douglass was forced to choose sides between African Americans who wanted to return to Africa and those who wanted to remain in the land of their birth. Beginning in the 1830s, a series of national Negro conventions held in various northern cities debated whether to go or to stay. Frederick Douglass advocated remaining and fighting to change the United States. During this period, Doug, during this period Douglass was confronted by the black nationalist Henry Highland Garnett, who in 1843 called on the slaves to rise up and strike for freedom and by Martin Delaney in the 1850s who schemed with the American Colonization Society in support of immigration to Africa. However, with the passage of the Fugitive Slave Law in 1850, even Douglas began to entertain radical and violent solutions uh, which would help blacks gain their freedom and at the same time destroy American slavery. His new radicalism led him to support John Brown's raid uh, in Harper's Ferry, 1859, by permitting John Brown to stay at his home for planning strategy. With the outbreak of the Civil War, Civil War starts 1861, Douglas urged uh, black men to support the war effort and specifically specifically to join the Union Army, 
He wrote essays such as Men of Color to Arms. Uh, two of his sons were among those men who joined the all-black 54th Massachusetts Regiment. After the war, Frederick Douglass served as president of the Freedmen's Bank. He recognized the failure of the, of the Reconstruction era. And in uh, an 1888 speech entitled, I Denounce the So-Called Emancipation as a Stupendous Fraud. I Denounce the So-Called Emancipation as a Stupendous Fraud. In the remaining years of his life, Frederick Douglass served in a variety of federal positions, which included America's uh, Consul General uh, in Haiti, 1889 to 1891. And we'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network. We're Niles' Power. We'll be back in a few minutes. African people were just primitive living in West Africa, waiting on the white supremacists to come save them. But in Africa, especially in the area that we now know as southern Libya, right in the Saharan Desert, there were rock paintings of black Africans on chariots. And you can see the wheel. And these paintings go back 7,000 years. In 951, AD. There was a scholar called Ibn Halkal, and he wrote a book. And in his book, he describes two things. The first is visiting a fringe city of ancient Ghana called Aldegast. And he witnessed a merchant writing another merchant a check for 42,000 golden dinars. Now, that should blow people's heads clean off. West Africa had checks. 951 AD. The second thing he describes is that the emperor of Ghana was the richest king on the face of the earth. There is a city known as Eredo, E-R-E-D-O, that's located in Nigeria that uh, the brilliant scholar Robin Walker is coming out with information dealing with the idea that this in Nigeria is a city that is 400 square miles in elliptical shape and the ramparts or the gates are 70 feet high or, or what, what might be considered to be maybe a seven-story building. That's how big it is. And that was done somewhere in the 800s to 1000 AD. At the same time, 400 years later in the 1400s and the 1500s, where folk are saying these people are primitive, this city exists in Nigeria. Once Britain burned the palace, and they colonized the region and then renamed it Nigeria. It wasn't called that before. They did not permit the Oba, that's the emperor of Benin, to rebuild the palace. So consequently, what's there now is the tiny fraction that escaped being burned down. We look at cities that were larger than cities in Europe at that time. We look at cities that had the equivalent of ancient skyscrapers, buildings that were uh, four or five stories tall. We look at cities with streets. We look at cities with sewer systems. We look at uh, cities, uh, nations that had universities, that had libraries, that had a upper class, a solid middle class, architects, engineers, physicians, dentists, uh, a city that would rival any other city in the world at that time. Well, the emperor... Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network. Okay, hey, you can share the um, share this broadcast on it, those watching on Facebook. 
Share this broadcast on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in also. Because we have the description of um, today's show posted there. So, and I'm updating this here. Okay, there we go. Share this on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in as well, okay? All right, so right before the break, we're talking some about Frederick Douglass. Educating people on uh, Frederick Douglass, abolitionist, orator. Um, he was also a newspaper publisher as well. Uh, author. Because uh, Donald Trump, it was clear Donald Trump didn't know anything about Frederick Douglass. Um, okay. All right, Willie Daniels said, thanks, I got it now. All right. Let's go back to this in uh, just a minute here. I'm trying to post something. All right, then I want to get into this story about Tamron Hall. Tamron, you know, you hear me talk about Tamron Hall a lot here on the show. Uh, watch on MSNBC. I called her the Halle Berry of MSNBC. She's an excellent, excellent journalist. Tamron Hall has left the building. Uh, she left MSNBC on Tuesday, January 31st. We're going to talk some about that because NBC is bringing over Megyn Kelly and a lot of people are upset about it. They're bringing over Megyn Kelly from Fox News. A lot of people are upset about it. Okay. All right. So uh, back to Frederick Douglass. All right. So uh, we know Frederick Douglass uh, dies in 1895, but in the remaining years of his life, Frederick Douglass served in a variety of federal positions, which included America's uh, Consul General to Haiti, 1889 to 1891. Uh, and that was a post that he held simultaneously with the position um, of uh, charge de affairs to Sant uh, Sant Santo Domingo, uh, now the Dominican Republic. Um, his activism continued even into the late, uh, into, even into the last few years of his life, working with Ida B. Wells Barnett. Um, Frederick Douglass co-authored an indictment against the organizers of the 1892 Columbian Exposition held in Chicago in an essay entitled, Why the Colored American is Not in the World's Columbian Exposition. Why the Colored American is not in the world is not in the world's Columbian Exposition. Now, Frederick Douglass died in Washington D.C. in 1895. An essay written in 1857 captured his unrelenting zeal to fight against injustice when he said, "Those who profess to favor freedom and yet deprecate agitation are men who want crops without plowing the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its mighty of its many waters. Okay. And I remember Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, Leonard Jeffries quoting uh, Frederick Douglass uh, by saying that as well. So check out this entry at uh, blackpass.org, blackpass.org. They have an article on Frederick Douglass. Check that out also. Okay. All right. Um, on Facebook, Lois, Lois Bradford said, that's crazy what they did at uh, NBC. 
Yeah, it really is. They are trying to, I think, appeal to more right wing viewers, being that Donald Trump is in office. Okay, uh, we'll talk about that. I know Essence uh, magazine has the Essence dot com has an article um, about that as well. Let me see here. And then um, blackvoices.com has an article also. So, um, let me get uh, just a second here. Let me go to, um, I'm going to go to this article from uh, Huffington Post Black Voices. Um, they had a really good article. Also, Atlanta Black Star dot com has one as well um i think the one from atlanta black star dot com has to be updated however for what i'm looking at all right just give me a minute here to pull up this other one okay so essence magazine has an article there about tamron hall we know tamron hall is an excellent journalist. Uh, she did. She co-hosted the last hour of the Today Show on NBC with Al Roker, the weatherman. They co-hosted. This was a number one. They were number one in their time slot. Okay. Um, and then also she did a show on MSNBC. Um, she did um, Monday through Friday, eleven a.m. to uh, eleven a.m. to twelve noon. Okay, Tamron Hall, MSNBC Live with Tamron Hall. Well, Essence.com has an article. Tamron Hall leaves NBC today, uh, the Today Show, after Megyn Kelly News. Okay, Um, less than, uh, this is from February 1st. Okay, so this was the day after she left. This is from Wednesday, just two days ago. Less than a week after Megyn Kelly's arrival is announced, Megyn Kelly the anchor at Fox News, she's known as the darling of the right wing, okay? She's huge over Fox News, okay? Less than a week after Megyn Kelly's arrival is announced, the beloved anchor turns down contract renewal. After 10 years with uh, the, the Today Show and MSNBC, Tamron Hall has decided not to renew her contract and move on from the network. This news comes less than a week after it was announced that controversial Fox News anchor Megyn Kelly was coming to the coming to the Today Show and may commandeer Tamron Hall and Al Roker's Today Show take at 9 a.m., which is the last hour of the show. Okay, It's been reported that the Texas native who's covered everything from the 2016 Olympics to two major inaugurations was offered a multi-million dollar deal to stay but decided to go quote the last 10 years have been beyond anything I could have imagined and I'm grateful uh in quote said Tamron Hall in the statement I'm also very excited about the next chapter to all my great colleagues I will miss you uh, I will miss you and I will be rooting for you Okay. Now, the article goes on to say there's no word on what's next for uh, Tamron Hall, but we kind of hope she goes the Soledad O'Brien route 
and starts her own news production company. I hope she does that also. If if news if TV One doesn't pick her up, I hope she starts her own uh, production company. Maybe she could team up with Melissa Harris Perry as well, uh, because that's what Soledad O'Brien did. She started her own uh, production company. Quote: Tamron Hall will be leaving now. MSNBC, uh, sorry, NBC said in a statement. Quote, Tamron Hall will be leaving NBC News and MSNBC when her contract expires this month. Yesterday was her last day as an anchor on both networks. Tamron is an exceptional journalist and we valued and enjoyed her work at uh, Today and MSNBC and hoped uh, and hoped that she would decide to stay. We are disappointed that she has chosen to leave, but we wish her all the best. Now, Al Roker will, uh, quote, quote, unquote, the article goes on to say that Al Roker will continue to co-host today's take uh, at 9 a.m. weekdays until a new morning lineup begins in the fall of 2017. OK, and um, that's a big loss for MSNBC. So I follow Tamron Hall on Twitter and on uh, Facebook. T-A-M-R-O-N, T-A-M-R-O-N. And she had a, a, a video, TamCam, uh, on her Twitter page. And this is from yesterday, yesterday. And it says, today was a good day. Thank you all so much. Hashtag TamCam, okay? And she's there and look, looks like pajamas. It's like onesies. It looks like she's wearing. Here's what she said. Just a second here. What have I been doing all day <laughs> today? Um, first of all, thank you guys so much for all your sweet social media messages. It's meant so much to me. These are good times for everybody and good times for one of my favorite organizations, Housing Works. So this is what I've really been doing all day. I have Jimmy Choo, Christian Louboutin. I've got work clothes. I've got party clothes. I have packed up a mother load headed to Housing Works to donate all of these things. Hopefully you will support them. They're an amazing organization. And look, you get a whole lot of my stuff. <laughs> See you soon. Bye. Okay, so that is straight from the Tam Cam. All right. Uh, now, Huffington Post Black Voices had a, um, had a good article also. Exit by first black female today show co-host called whitewashing. Exit by first uh, black female today show co-host called whitewashing by journalist group. Tamron Hall will reportedly be replaced by Megan Kelly, who has, quote, a well-documented history of offensive remarks, end quote. And if you read the article oh, from... Uh, if you read the article from news1.com, if you read the article from news1.com, uh, they have an article about dealing with um, Megyn Kelly's um, um, comments, uh, r racial comments, things like this. OK, um, they have an article about that and they list 10 of them. OK, we'll go to that on the other side of the break. You listen to the Michael M. Hotep show. Uh, right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where now is power. We'll be back in a few minutes. 
Rappers killing it in the club, but can we brag now? Not black lives just had to die to get a flag down. And my rap has helped the map of Southside Atlanta. Was just a Selma 50 years march in Alabama. Was just in Columbus, Ohio teaching little kids. South by Southwest and Austin teaching sampling. Hey! At gynecologists, I do a lot of interviews. And I'm making some nice figures like a gym or two. And like Sandra Bland, yeah! my band be changing lanes without a signal at all. Now you want us to hang? You know some things are substantial, whether or not financial. And playing us with others. Stuck way up on the mantle, so don't try to adjust your radio, don't change your channel. We're taking down the glittery lights and just light a candle. Come on. He said, I don't see you at the club. I said, I don't see you at the bank. People gotta live their life and do their thing. Let me live, let me breathe, let me be me. He said, I don't see you at the club. I said, I don't see you at the bank. People gotta live their life and do their thing. Let me live, let me breathe, let me be me. He said, I'll see you at the club. I said, I'll see you at the bank. People gotta live their life and do their thing. Let me live, let me breathe, let me be me. Let me live, let me breathe, let me be me. All right, we'll be back from break in a couple of minutes. And as I was saying to the people on Facebook Live, I'm going to try to hang with you all for another 30 minutes to the top of the hour. I'm very tired. Um, we'll try to hang to uh, the top of the hour. And um, we have orders shipping out as soon as the show ends. <laughs> I worked on orders this morning. They're packed up and ready to go. So we have orders shipping out. Uh, if you like the information we share with you here on um, the Michael M. Hotep show, hey, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Click on the yellow Donate button there, and that helps to support the African History Network. Um, so, And then you can also order DVDs from us as well. That helps support us also. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to remind you that I'm doing a webinar coming up uh, Saturday, February 4th, uh, 2017, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., dealing with Should African Americans Celebrate Black History Month Exposing the Myths? Should African Americans Celebrate Black History Month Exposing the Myths? You don't want to miss this. You can watch it from anywhere around the world. So all the international viewers that we have, right, you can watch it from anywhere around the world. Okay, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And in the in the webinar, we'll deal with the history of African-American History Month, which used to be called Black History Month. We started out as Negro History Week and uh, we'll deal with what we need to do to make it relevant for the, today and the future. We'll deal with dispelling some myths about our history also. Okay. Um, so that's uh, tomorrow, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday, February 4th, 2017. You don't want to miss that. We have the information on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. I also created a Facebook event invite. Uh, you just search for um, Black History Month. It, it'll probably come up. But it's on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. We're going to get the information and the link on our um, website. We'll have that up shortly, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll have that up. And it's going to be on our email newsletter. I'm going to send out either tonight or in the morning. Okay. We have an email newsletter going out and it's going to be in the email newsletter. Okay. So you don't want to, this is a free webinar I'm doing. Okay. Uh, free webinar and invite your friends to tune into it. Also, you don't want to miss this. 
You don't want to miss this one. Okay. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network, where knowledge is power. Also, want to remind you that Dave Anderson, founder of, the, founder of the Empowerment Radio Network, is doing a screening of the film Generation One, the the um, the search for black wealth. Generation One, the search for black wealth. It's uh, 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 taking place this evening, 7 p.m. Friday, February 3rd, 2017, at 444 Highland Avenue in Northeast Atlanta. 444 Highland Avenue, Northeast in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, free event. Go to economicempowermentseminar.com for more information. Economicempowermentseminar.com for more information. And he's going to speak tonight also. He's going to talk about three strategies for building wealth. Three proven strategies for building building wealth. Business development, real estate development, and foreign currency exchange. Business development, real estate development, and foreign currency exchange. Okay? All right. Now, uh, let's go back to the story. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, and we'll talk about foreign currency exchange and Forex because we had a conference call Wednesday. That's one reasons why I'm tired. First of all, he had me out to 1 in the morning, Monday night and Tuesday night, and on a late-ass conference call Wednesday. Um, and I fell asleep. I must have fallen asleep on the conference call because it was something like 1130 or something. And I, uh, the conference call started at 9. And I know we had some technical difficulties. But last thing I remember is looking at the clock. It was 1130. And I was sitting at my desk like I'm sitting right now. And I woke up at 1.30 in the morning and my headset was on and it was still plugged into my cell phone, but the call was disconnected. It's, it's, I must have fallen asleep on that call because uh, <laughs> I was tired. All right. So um, let's go to this article here from Huffington Post Black Voices. Okay. Really good article they had about, about Tamron Hall. And she's an excellent journalist. Uh, Google the, uh, uh, look at the interview, look at the video of the interview she did with Scott Bayo during the uh, presidential campaign. She, she tore Scott Bayo up. I mean, she asked some really, when she does interviews, I mean, you can't play with her. You can't come. She's like Joanne Reed. With Joanne Reed and Tamron Hall, those are two sisters who are real journalists. You can't come on there BSing. You can't come on there lying because you, you get, you have to talk to the hand. You'll get stopped. But this article from Huffington Post Black Voices from yesterday. Exit by first black female today show co-host called Whitewashing by Journalist Group. Tamron Hall was reportedly uh, will reportedly be replaced by Megyn Kelly, who has, quote, a well-documented history of offensive remarks, end quote. And they are so correct. Now, the Today Show is facing a shakeup that has some raising eyebrows last month. January, NBC revealed plans to bring former Fox News uh, host Megyn Kelly into its morning lineup, reportedly bumping co-host Tamron Hall and Al Roker from the 9 a.m. slot. On Wednesday, February 1st, 2017, NBC announced that Tamron Hall would be leaving the network after three years as a co-host on the show, on the Today Show. Uh, she would uh, sh she would surprise uh, her colleagues by rejecting a multi million dollar deal amid the hours healthy ratings. OK, according to rumor, she found uh, being replaced by Megyn Kelly offensive 
and hurt, hurtful. According to, to rumors, she found being replaced by Megyn Kelly as offensive and hurtful. A Tamron Hall, you could have at least recommended a brother for the job. I mean, to take the, take the place, you know, just an hour. You could have at least, you know, recommended the brother for the job. All right. I, I, could, I could have done that job. All right. Uh, now, the National Association of Black Journalists, however, has made its thoughts on the issue very clear. In a statement released this week, the organization stated it was, quote unquote, saddened by Tamron Hall's departure and said Kelly uh, and Megan Kelly's move to the 9 a.m. hour is, quote, being seen by industry professionals as whitewashing, end quote. And I agree is is being seen by industry professionals as whitewashing. Tamron Hall has been the show's first black female co-host, quote, Kelly, referring to Megan Kelly, has a well-documented history of offensive remarks regarding people of color, end quote, the National Association for Black Journalists stated, giving the example of Megyn Kelly stating that Michelle Obama's 2015 commencement address at uh, Tuskegee University pandered to, quote, a culture of victimization, end quote, a culture of victimization. Other examples abound. Uh, Kelly, uh, Megan Kelly cast doubt on the significance of blatantly racist emails sent with the Ferguson, Missouri Police Department. She defended a Baltimore police officer involved in the death of Freddie, Freddie Gray and called the black teen manhandled at a pool party uh, by Texas police, quote unquote, no saint. OK, this is uh, an attempt. This is how the right wing attacks. The victim oftentimes in these instances and gives the white perpetrator a pass. Now, some viewers have also expressed disappointment after today's show shakeup and the statement regarding her decision to leave. Uh, Tamron Hall said she was, quote unquote, grateful for her 10 years, 10 years at the network, but also, quote, very excited about the next chapter, end quote, in her career. She's she's 46 years old. She's 46 years. She's a year older than me. She's 46. To all my great colleagues, I will miss you and I will be rooting for you. End quote. She said calling her uh, calling her an quote exceptional journalist. End quote. NBC said in a statement of his own quote, we are disappointed that she has chosen to leave, but we wish her all the best. End quote. Well, if you haven't tried to bring over a substandard white woman who has a history of making racial remarks, maybe you wouldn't have pissed Tamron Hall off because I think she was, I think she was uh, hurt and angered by it. And what were the exact words from the article? Let me, let me get the exact words. Um, I, th I think she was, uh, I think she found it, uh, personally, I think she found it offensive and hurtful. Okay, because uh, Megyn Kelly isn't even qualified to shine Tamron Hall's shoes. She's not qualified to shine Tamron Hall's shoes, okay? Her Jimmy shoes or Payless shoes she may have had when she was in college. Now, in News One Now, NewsOne.com has an article from three weeks ago. A hey, News One, I love your articles. Please start dating them because people like myself, talk show hosts, reference them. We want to know the date of the article. NewsOne.com, please start dating your articles once again. Thank you. Ten of Megyn Kelly's most racist moments. Ten of Megyn Kelly's most racist moments. 
the former Fox News host is taking her race baiting to NBC. Now, I think this is a clear attempt of of NBC to um, uh, shore up its ratings. Uh, but but not just that to bring over. I know I know the last hour they had uh, Al Roker and Tamara Hall. They were highest rated in the time slot. But I think. NBC, because Trump is in office, I think they're doing a realignment. Now, they just brought over on MSNBC, they just brought over Greta Van Sturston from Fox News. That's mistake number one, okay? That's mistake number one, okay? Right wing, right wing talk show host, right? They brought her over from Fox News. Now they're bringing Megyn Kelly over from Fox News. I think they're trying to bring over some of those uh, right wing um uh, viewers of Fox News trying to bring them over to MSNBC now that Trump is in office, okay? And we have seen an exiting of some African Americans over the past year or so from MSNBC, uh, NNBC, Goldie Taylor, Melissa Harris Perry, uh, uh, Michael Eric Dyson, um, also, um, who else? Okay, we see Tamron Hall, uh, we see the moving Reverend Al Sharpton. From 5 days a week, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., Politics Nation, to Sunday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You see Teray, uh, who was on the show The Cycle, which came on during the afternoon. Uh, he left the network as well. He left in MSNBC also. You see a shifting that's taking place, okay? Now, um, top 10, uh, 10 of Megyn Kelly's most racist comments, okay? But let's do this like Dave Letterman. Let's start with 10 and go down to one. Okay. Uh, number 10, drum roll. Number 10, she cries reverse racism. Finally, how could we forget Megyn Kelly's manipulation of, um, of now Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor's quote about the value of Latina judges? Her cries of quote unquote reverse racism left much to be desired. Uh, and they go on to ask, did we miss any? Okay, so that's number 10. Number nine, college protesters spoiled. Megyn Kelly also suggested that campus protests followed unrest across the country were simply the work of spoiled, overly sensitive youth. Quote, I love that utopia. It does not exist. Good luck getting rid of all of the bigotry. We're just going to wipe the world. We we uh, we love we we would love to, but it's not reality. End quote. Okay, and they have some video clips here in this uh, article. Watch this, Omega Kelly. This is who NBC is bringing over. Okay, number eight. Tina and and we're dealing with. Uh, we're gonna go right past the break. Okay, we're dealing with. 10 of Megyn Kelly's most racist moments, okay? Brought to you by the Empowerment Radio Network, okay? I wonder if this is, I wonder, I wonder if this is sponsored by the Ku Klux Klan. I wonder, huh? Okay. Um, so, that was number nine. College protesters spoiled, okay? Now, does she talk about college protesters who protest and set couches on fire when they're t when, when when these white kids when their teams lose a college basketball game or a football game or something like that does she talk about that then number eight calls for justice perpetuate culture of victimhood 
calls for justice perpetuate culture of victimhood. She once claimed that First Lady Michelle Obama and others who call for social justice are perpetuating a culture of victimhood. Quote, it, took, it takes away your power to send the message that you are a victim and you will remain a victim unless the man gets his foot off your neck, end quote. Well, Megyn Kelly, I guess maybe you shouldn't vote because you pe your people didn't get the right to vote. White women didn't get the right to vote until 1920 because they had to fight for the right to vote, but they didn't have to fight for the right to vote like African-Americans. Show me a case where they were hit upside their head with billy clubs by white police officers and had dogs sicked on them. Okay, I mean, it wasn't until like the about the 1960s that white women could even get a loan from a bank without their husband co-signing for it. OK, so you want to talk about a culture of victimhood. You are the beneficiary of white women who came before you for you that fought for your behind to have a anchor seat at Fox News. Number seven, she criticized Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rawlings Blake uh, uh, for the th for the thugs apology for the thugs apology. Megyn Kelly took issue with Baltimore, former Baltimore Mayor Mary, uh, uh, Stephanie Rawlings Blake. Uh, Stephanie Rawlings, Stephanie Rawlings Blake's apology for calling protesters thugs. This was during the rebellion um, in 2015, uh, April 2015. She said, quote, you know, misguided young people is tough for the cops who found themselves being assaulted. Uh, one with a shattered kneecap, hundreds who are injured to swallow as they watch them burning people's houses down, end quote. This is who NBC is bringing over. And I think this pissed off Tamron Hall. Okay. This is Megyn Kelly. This is the same dumbass Megyn Kelly who said Santa Claus is white. Guess she never saw hidden colors before. Guess she, I guess she never saw hidden colors before. Okay. Speaking of hidden colors, here's a clip. Let me, uh, let me, um, let me update something here on our Facebook Live broadcast. Here's another clip from Hidden Colors for the Religion of White Supremacy. We'll be back in a few minutes. We're going to continue with the top 10 list of Megyn Kelly's most racist moments. Brought to you by NBC. We'll be back in a few minutes. Ghana, we know, lived in a castle with glass windows. We know this because there's an 1153 AD document that tells us that there were glass windows. We've got uh, Keno uh, in parts of Nigeria. We've got the great Chad Basin civilizations. We got civilizations along the Congo that we don't even talk about. And what, what's ironic in the 1700s, and you can actually go online and find some of them, the Europeans who go to the Congo come back home and draw pictures, which is in their museums, of these magnificent metropolis, these cities with streets laid out in grids and paved. They found the same thing in Benin, they found the same thing in Kamasi. But these same Europeans, especially the British and the French, will burn and sack most of these cities. A Polish scholar called Z.R. Dmitrovsky did a survey of Nigerian ancient monuments and wrote three-volume architectural book called An Introduction to traditional Nigerian architecture, volume one, volume two, volume three. Now that's important, you see, because most people wouldn't have thought that Nigeria had anything to be able to fill three volumes. Which brings me on to Benin. Benin is in the southern part of Nigeria. 
Now, Benin's architecture was very famous in medieval times. In particular, its royal palace. Its royal palace was the same size as whole European cities. Just the palace. Ethiopia was one of the earliest countries to embrace Christianity, right? And so uh, what you have in Ethiopia is, is a ancient civilization. You know, Ethiopia, we got to remember, Ethiopia is the source of the Blue Nile, right? And based on research that I'm looking at now, I'm really beginning to realize that Kemet is Ethiopia's oldest daughter. So the knowledge that flowered in Kemet began first in Ethiopia. They never occupied and, and dominated and conquered Ethiopia totally. And that's because King Menelik understood he needed more than just spirituality because a lot of the Africans in other parts of Africa, they depended on their spiritual system. But when you're dealing with a group of people like the white supremacists who were not spiritual at all, you're going to lose. So King Menelik, he used his spirituality, but he understood that he had to be practical. So King Menelik, he got guns that rivaled the guns of his enemies. And when the Italians came into Ethiopia to try to defeat him, King Menelik used his guns and used his weaponry to fight them off. What Ethiopia was able to achieve was nothing short of military genius. Um, they struggled uh, certainly with Italy for maintaining their, their independence. But I think what, what they were able to do was to use the, the land to their advantage. They were able to strategize and they really outthought the enemy. And they were underestimated, let's face it. I think they were under, their military power was underestimated. Welcome back to the Michael M. Hotep show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with Knowledge is Power. All right, that's another excerpt of um, Hidden Colors for the Religion of White Supremacy. Fantastic documentary. We have all four uh, installments of Hidden Colors at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have a Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack. You get all four installments. You get four of my DVD price. DVD presentations and one installment of Afro Man and the Protectors of the Book of Knowledge also for one low price. It's about $145 value. Okay. So on sale right now, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, let's go back to this story here. Um, so Tamron Hall, last day uh, on MSNBC, end of today's show, it's Tuesday, January 31st. You've heard me share segments of uh, of Tamron Hall, um, her reporting here on the show. Excellent journalist. Well, um, Huffington Post Black Voices has a really good article um, that, that we just talked about, and uh, it's called Exit by First Black Female Today Show Co-host Called Whitewashing by uh, Journalist Organization, okay, by Journalist Group, okay. And this article is written by Sarah uh, Bolt. Bobolts, B-O-B-O-L-T-Z, okay? She's an entertainment editor for the Huffington Post. This is the Huffington Post Black Voices. She's a white woman, but this is a good article. Since I write articles, you can read all of my articles at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I also like to give credit to the writers uh, writers of the articles as well, okay? So, um, we were talking about that article. Essence uh, Magazine, uh, Essence.com has an article as well that we talked about. Uh, Tamron Hall leads NBC Today Show after Megyn Kelly News. Then News1.com has an article from three weeks ago because I heard about this announcement three weeks ago and I'm like, what? You're getting rid of Tamron Hall? Um, 
NBCNews1.com uh, has an article, 10 of Megyn Kelly's most racist moments, 10 of Megyn Kelly's most racist moments, right? So number 10 was cries, she cries reverse racism. Number nine, college protesters spoiled. Number eight, calls for justice perpetuate culture of victimhood. And this was talking about Michelle Obama. And you better not ever say nothing about negative about Michelle Obama. Number seven, criticize Baltimore Mayor Stephanie Rollins Blake's thugs apology. Not not criticized her for calling the protesters thugs. She criticized may, former mayor of Baltimore, Stephanie Rollins Blake's Blake for apologizing for calling them thugs. This is the type of white supremacist that NBC is bringing over. Now, I'm just going to call her what she is. She's a white supremacist. OK, she's a white supremacist behind makeup and a dress. OK, so she you know, she may not be as bad as a Klansman. But, you know, uh, she probably I, I don't know if she I don't know if she would actually denounce Well, she may denounce the Klan. But I wonder if she's going to denounce Stephen Bannon and Stephen Miller, white nationalists who are who are uh, in Donald Trump's camp. I wonder if she's going to denounce them. Number six has no empathy for Trayvon Martin's family, has no empathy for Trayvon Martin's family. OK, wow. Quote, unquote, wow, she said in response to the reaction of Trayvon Martin's father, Tracy Martin, to George Zimmerman's not guilty verdict. OK, quote, they prosecuted him. Those prosecutors did their level best, but they didn't prove their case. I mean, the jury saw it differently, end quote. No, they threw the case. No, the jury, the, 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 the prosecution threw that case. They did not want to press charges in the first place. You had to have nationwide protests just so George Zimmerman was arrested. When have you had to have nationwide protests when, so when somebody kills a white person for, that per, for the perpetrator to be protested and charges to be brought against them? Okay, this is Megyn Kelly. Okay, I've been watching her, unfortunately, for years. I don't watch Fox News uh, very, very rarely. I can't, I can't stomach it because I know these are a bunch of liars, most of them. Number five, she believes all. She believes the quote-unquote "All Lives Matter" canard. When Stephen A. Smith apologized for his "All Lives Matter" comment, uh, Megyn Kelly weighed in to say that quote his spine got up and walked out of his body. End quote. Now, what I want people to understand, if you read the article from uh, Salon.com um, from like a couple weeks ago, uh, it talked about how, and I'm going to see if I can pull this up. Uh, uh, let me see. It talked about how Donald Trump's, 40% uh, of Donald Trump supporters get most of their news from Fox News. Um, okay, go to salon.com. You can read that article. I know I printed it. I don't have it bookmarked because I have thousands of articles bookmarked. I could just do a search and pull them up in my own database. But go to salon, S-A-L-O-N, S-A-L-O-N, salon.com, and um, you can check that out. Number five, no problem with racist emails sent by Ferguson, Missouri employees. No problem with 
racist emails sent by Ferguson, Missouri employees. Now we are now I watched uh, Greta Van Sersen a little bit because I I have it on MSNBC, so she comes on six p.m. to seven p.m. And I can even tell with Greta, you know, I could tell she has these right wing tendencies. But I think it, I think it may be worse with Megyn Kelly. Now, during a discussion with Wall Street Journal columnist Brett Steffens, Megyn Kelly, quote, dismissed the Department of Justice report on Ferguson Police Department on the Ferguson Police Department on their disproportionate targeting of African-Americans. At, and she dismissed it as a, quote unquote, case of bad apples. And this is according to Media Matters. OK, she said, quote, despite serious findings of racial bias and stereotyping in the department. Oh, sorry. In the article, it said, despite serious findings of racial bias and stereotyping in the department, in the Ferguson Police Department, Megyn Kelly called the report, quote unquote, problematic, arguing that, quote, there are very few companies in America where you won't find racist emails, end quote. This is how she tried to explain away the over policing of African-Americans in Ferguson, Missouri, because this is what the Department of Justice report detailed. OK, and these idiots who voted for Donald Trump, they're getting most of their news from people like Megyn Kelly and Bill O'Reilly and Sean Hannity and Fox and Friends and Greta Van Sersen and these other idiots on Fox News. OK, this is who's coming to NBC. Now, number four, no evidence of racism at McKinney at the McKinney, Texas pool assault. OK, now we remember this case. You had uh, uh, McKinney, Texas police officer Eric Casebolt manhandled uh, uh, at the time. I think she was maybe 15, a 15 year old African-American girl in a bathing suit. OK, she wasn't hiding a shotgun in her weave, in her braids. She was in a bathing suit. OK, a viral video of former McKinney, Texas police officer Corporal Eric Casebolt manhandling a black teenage girl generated a vociferous public outcry over excessive force in communities of color. But Megyn Kelly, the darling of Fox News, questioned whether race was an issue in the officer's handling of the incident. Show me what white girls they handled like this because there were white girls at the party. Show me what white girls they handle like this. Now, in all fairness, Eric Casebolt, from all reports, from even people there and from video that I saw, he was the only officer who was out of pocket, who was out of line because the other officers there were there. They're looking at him like, what's wrong? If you if you go back and watch video and I wrote an article about this case. And it's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Click on the link, read articles from Michael Hotel. You saw a group of African-American boys standing there, teenagers. And there's a white police officer talking to them. And he said, he said guys, look. He said, if you see us coming, don't run from us, blah, blah, blah. He's talking, to, he's talking to them in a normal voice. They're standing there being respectful. They're responding to him. Then here comes Officer Casebook coming up. I told you don't move. I told you don't move. Blah, blah, blah. He, when, when you go look at this and from, from reports from the true, from the teenagers that were there, things like this, the, the only officer who was out of line was Eric Casebolt. Okay. Now, but Megyn Kelly questioned whether race was an issue in the officer's handling of the incident. Quote, what is the evidence it is a race thing as opposed to uh, an excessively, uh, an excessive force thing? 
The girl was no saint either. He had told her to leave and she continued to linger, end quote. So now this is what the determination of somebody being a saint is. You told her to leave. She continued to linger. And so now she's what, a bad person or something like this? Okay. Uh, you see, this, this is, this is, this is Megyn Kelly. All right. Now I want to pull up this article here. One break. We'll be back in one minute from break. Uh, I made it to six o'clock. We're going to go a little past six o'clock. That's going to be it. Okay. Um, there was an article and I talk about it a lot in some of my lectures, um, from Huffington, from the Huffington post It's called when the media treats white suspects better than black victims. When the media treats whites, when the media treats white suspects and killers, better than black victims. This is from August 14, 2014. You, you should read this article. Uh, in my presentation, Empire Strikes Black, the propaganda of the media. And that's one of the, uh, if you order our empowerment bundle pack number one, it's $50. You get six of my DVD lectures there. That's one of the um, uh, lectures in that bundle pack. We have the empowerment bundle pack one and empowerment bundle pack two. So you can get 12 of my DVD presentations for only $100. Read this article, Huffington Post uh, dot com, Huffington Post Black Voices. When the media treats white suspects and killers better than black victims. And what this article talks about is they, they went and looked at uh, headlines from all across the country, different news publications. And they looked at when the victim of the killing was African-American. And they looked at instances where a perpetrator was white okay and what they found was that oftentimes the media will go out of its way to show how this person killing 15 people or killing three people is so much out of their character but when it's an african-american who's a victim of murder is african-american who's a victim of a crime they they go and dig into that background and talk about, oh, well, this person was incarcerated for 10 years. Oh, this person was on drug for 20, 20 years and try to make it seem like it was their fault that they were killed. Theater shooting suspect was brilliant science student. This is an actual headline. OK, theater shooting suspect was brilliant science student. This is a white guy who killed somebody, but they want to talk about how brilliant of a science student he is. With Michael Brown, police, police, Michael Brown struggled with officer before sh being shot. They didn't say college bound African-American male shot and killed by a police officer. Because he was supposed to start college like the, I think the next month or something like that. Uh, he, he was college bound, accepted to college. He was supposed to start, I think, the next month after the shooting. OK, instead of instead of the article saying instead of the headline of the article saying. Michael Brown, college bound African-American male shot and killed by police officer. It says Michael Brown struggled with officer before shooting. OK, then you have uh, 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 they give you some examples. Here's a white suspect. Here's an article about a white suspect, a headline. Alabama suspect brilliant, but social misfit. That's how the Lubbock Avalanche Journal 
chose to present the story of Amy Bishop, a former college professor who eventually pleaded guilty to killing three colleagues and wounding three others at a faculty meeting in 2010. Alabama suspect brilliant, but social misfit. You have a case of an African-American victim. OK, Montgomery's latest homicide victim had history of narcotics abuse tangles with the law. And that's the headline from AL.com, Alabama.com. AL.com ran about the shooting death of a 25 year old black man in Alabama earlier in 2014. Now, look at the headline. Montgomery's latest homicide victim, which cheapens his life. And basically say this is this is another Negro that was killed. It cheapens his life. Montgomery's latest homicide victim. Oh, he's just like the other Negroes that were killed. Had history of narcotics abuse tangles with the law as this somehow that justifies him being killed. White suspect son in Staten Island murders was brilliant, athletic, but his demons were the death of his parents. This is a dude that killed his parents. This is how Staten Island Advance covered the case of Eric Belushi, a mental uh, uh, or Belushi, a mentally ill New York man who allegedly killed his parents. Son in Staten Island murders was brilliant, athletic, but his demons were the death of his parents. Black victim Trayvon Martin was suspended three times from school. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Did, did 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 George Zimmerman give Trayvon Martin a questionnaire before he killed him? Trayvon Martin was suspended three times from school. This is this is an actual headline. Where is this from? NBC News. I like NBC News, but sometimes they get things wrong. You know, I share a lot of articles from NBC News. Number one, they have good articles. Number two, when you print them up, they print correctly because some other news outlets, when you print them, part of the article is cut off. Okay, NBC News. It's 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 the the format is good, okay. Now the you have to they they don't play well in Firefox the videos. You have to put them in Google Chrome or something like that. NBC MSNBC their articles print perfectly and their videos play much better also, okay. Check out this article. I I, I got to get the hell out of here. Check out this article. Um, here is la last one. White suspect Oregon Oregon school shooting suspect. Fascinated with guns, but but was a devoted Mormon, his friends say. Oregon school shooting suspect fascinated with guns, but was a devoted Mormon, his friends say. This Fox News headline quoted friends shocked that 15-year-old Gerald, Gerald Michael Paget had entered his high school heavily armed and killed a classmate and injured a teacher and then took his own life. He was fascinated with guns, but he was a devoted Mormon. Uh, I think there's a contradiction. I think there's a contradiction that he couldn't have been that devoted. If he goes in and kills a classmate and shoots a teacher and then kills himself, he couldn't have been that devoted to Mormonism. I'm not an expert on Mormonism. I don't think they say I don't think they say go to school and kill a classmate and shoot a teacher. But that's called white privilege. Okay, now um Let's go. Let's finish up this article here. Top 10, uh, top t 10 top Megyn Kelly most racist moments. Okay. So number four, no evidence of racism at McKinney, Texas pool party. Okay. 
Number three, Sandra Bland had a quote, had, had quote, a history of being suicidal, end quote. Now, I dealt with the facts about this on the case, and that does come into the argument, okay? That does, you have to look at that, and you have to look at the fact that she was taken, uh, she, if I remember correctly, from the case, she had a miscarriage, uh, I think like the year before, something like that, and I think she was taking some type of drug, okay? So when you deal with the evidence, that does come into play. But you can't rule out necessarily. You, you, I mean, you also have to leave it open that possibly maybe she was killed. Now, we do know they say she hung herself with a trash bag, things like this. You have to leave it. You, you have to look at everything. OK. When discussing Sandra Bland's death, Megan Kelly was quick to believe reports that the young woman had taken her own life. Quote, what we showed the audience tonight is that this woman has a history of being suicidal. The videotape of the jail cell does not show anybody going into the jail cell during the time she hanged herself, end quote. She said, uh, and this is what Megan Kelly said during a segment of Fox News uh, on the Kelly Files, okay? Now, number three, Santa is white. She infamously took issue with the idea that a fictional character could be adapted to fit the needs of children of all races. Quote, for all for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. Santa just is white. Just because it makes you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it has to change. Jesus was a white man, too. End quote. Really? Yeah. He walked around Jerusalem all those years with no hat on and didn't get skin cancer. Yeah, really? Really? Yeah, right. These are the type of idiots they have on Fox News. Number two, unhinged African-Americans are a danger to whites. Unhinged African-Americans are a danger to whites. Speaking with uh, attorney Maluk, Malik Zulu Shabazz, Megyn Kelly and her Fox colleagues routinely featured members of the new Black Panther Party, of which uh, uh, attorney uh, Malik Zulu Shabazz was once a member. To suggest that, and she and she she interviewed them to suggest that white Americans face some sort of great danger at the hands of unhinged African American militants. These Negroes are crazy. I'm surprised she didn't call them Nat Turner. And the number one most racist moment, number one most racist moment for Megyn Kelly, deals with Michael Brown during an exchange with Malik Zulu Shabazz. Uh, president, uh, Black Lawyers for Justice, uh, Megyn Kelly claimed that Michael Brown, quote, was unarmed until he tried to steal the cop's gun, end quote. So this is who they're bringing over to replace Tamron Hall at NBC. Yeah, okay. Megyn Kelly is not qualified to shine Tamron Hall's shoes. All right, check out this article from NewsOne.com. Ten of Megyn Kelly's most racist moments. The former Fox News host is is taking her race baiting to NBC. Let's go to your comments on Facebook. Joseph Strada says Sandra Bland was murdered, point blank, period. Uh, Lois Penny Bradford, I don't believe she killed herself. Uh, Marquise Jones, I think you are... You you are a troll that just wants some attention, Mark. Okay, 
So if it's a troll on here, let me know who the troll is, and I'll get rid of them after I embarrass them. Uh, Gunjaman said they've been talking about the Menendez brothers. Nia Sunshine said, please, everyone, go see the movie. I am not your Negro this weekend. Excellent movie. It's about James Baldwin and his writings. Thought-provoking, and it will give you strength. Uh, Marquise Jones said, okay, Mark Amnin. Um, instead of ridiculing the podcast, why not just leave? Some people like being reintroduced to information. Mark Amin responded to Marquise. He said, well, if you feel that way, Marquise, then don't tell people to get lost. Uh, so what did Mark Amin say? Jenkins Ethel said, do your own research and use information to build a nation. Lois Penny Bradford said, dehumanizing them. Marquise Jones said Michael's contribution is educating people of political and social games being played. Boyce Watkins teaches people how to make money. Tariq Nasheed teaches people about white supremacy on different levels. I teach people how to make money as well. Because I've taught entrepreneurship for nine years. My degree is in business administration. But also, uh, hey, if you want to, uh, we're doing a conference call Wednesday night, every Wednesday night dealing with economic empowerment but ways to create ways to um create capital so that we can buy up properties in our neighborhood buy up houses buy up land help fund our businesses things like this and it deals with forex and foreign foreign currency exchange if you want uh information about that and information about the conference call. Uh, we have one coming up uh, this coming Wednesday, 9 p.m. is with Dave Anderson, founder of the Empowerment Radio Network. If you want information about that, email me at info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, okay? And, I, and this is why Dave was in uh, Detroit uh, early this week. Uh, Monday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and uh, we talked about this on my show on 9:10 a.m. the Superstation. But Monday night, uh, he spoke at an event. I was with Jewel Tankard also Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Dave Anderson spoke at an event, and this is what he talked about. Detroit, we in the D, and every year in September, the Wayne County Tax Commissioner lets houses go for one dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, five dollars, five hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. And y'all paying rent? Come on, Detroit. We paying rent in Detroit? And the biggest opportunity, the biggest opportunity in real estate is right here in the D. People, listen to me. We all have dreams. We all have goals. But we are spending way too much time, listen to me, class, on the job. And the job stands for what? Just over broke. We are trading our time for money. And that mentality has to stop. It stops tonight. If you go home, if you go home, class, and you tell your kids, oh, baby, I don't know how we're going to pay for college. We're going to have to sign up for a student loan. Nobody does that. Michael V. Roberts, a black billionaire down the street. I'm staying in his hotel. He's on his way right now because I called him on the phone. I said, man, I'm about to light it up. Two gave me the microphone. You know what he said? I'm on my way. I'm on my way. That Roberts Riverwalk Hotel is paid for. It's at a zero balance. People who are real entrepreneurs do not have mortgages. This is a mandate. So why is, how does this relate to IML? How does this relate to foreign currency? Let me tell you something that I learned. 
every major real estate investor that I've fooled with, and I'm telling you this not from something that I think about, I'm telling you this managing a $5 million portfolio in Atlanta that don't have no mortgages attached to it. And that house, that house that Ms. Kirkland is talking about is on the market right now. All right, I own hot property with you. What I'm telling you is not something I'm thinking about, I'm telling you something I know about. You have to stay liquid, class. You have to stay liquid. Anybody that's in here in real estate knows, y'all probably use mortgages to buy the real estate. You bought into that lie, into that joke. And let me just say this, the etymology behind the word mortgage, in the, in the Latin, the word mortifant means death. The second word means engage. It's an engagement until death. And you keep signing up for it for 30 or 40 years. That's nuts. That's nuts. What are we doing? We're buying into a debt culture, a debt thinking, a debt school of thought. It's not about racism and slavery. It's about being in debt. It's about being in debt, being a slave to debt. And so what IML does, what it allows you to do is stay liquid. Any entrepreneur worth their salt knows the importance of liquidity. You can go in the market and take profit. Kathy Kirkland came up with an ideology that says you can take $500 and at 12% daily. And trading days are six days out of the week. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. At 12% interest, in 120 days it turns into a million dollars. That's not a farce. That's what it is. But ain't nobody teaching you that in the Wayne County uh, school system. They ain't teaching you that at Wayne State. My father went to Harvard. They ain't teaching that at the Harvard B School. You gotta be out here getting money knowing that. And unless you know billionaires and people like Christopher Terry, you can't do it. And so Chris is coming up with an application on his phone, just like we know Uber, just like we know Lyft. They call that disruptive technology. We have access, people, to disruptive technology to make billions of dollars, millions of dollars to go in the market and take profit and go buy real estate. There's no reason for all of these people in here right now that all of us should not have title to real property in Detroit. What's his name, Quicken Loans? Dan Gilbert should not be the only person owning up downtown Atlanta. Or downtown Detroit, excuse me. I'm from Atlanta, I apologize, man. But I get sick and tired of seeing this. I'm sick and tired of seeing gentrification tours. And I don't mean to isolate because we all bleed black, bleed blood, bleed red, I get it. We all in the same room, but I get sick and tired of seeing gentrification tours going through the hood. And we looking at what's coming off the bus, buying up our own community, and we can't do nothing about it. What's wrong with y'all? Figure out how to get the money to buy back your own community. Use IML, use the tools to stay liquid to do that. I'm almost done, man, I'm sorry. I'm gonna hit you with this. Y'all wanna stop police from killing y'all, shooting y'all in the back five or six times? Get some insurance, over-insure. Because the next time they put some bullets in your back, they got to pay off five, $10 million policies, man. Think about this. All right, so that's what happened Monday night. And uh, it was pretty much over after he said, after he spoke, after Dave spoke. <laughs> Dave shut down. Dave shut it down. It took us forever to get out of there because after it was over, then everybody wanted to come over and, and talk to David. I'm like, Dave, look, man, we got to head over to Mr. Roberts' hotel. We said, so that was one of the reasons why we were out late Monday night. And I didn't get to bed. And, then I, and I, uh, I, I took him took over to the hotel. We had a meeting with some people over there. Some of the people probably listening. Uh, Brother Bomani, uh, Sister Nzinga. Some of we were meeting with people here in Detroit. And um, so I didn't, get to, I, didn't get, I didn't get home to 1 a.m. Um, Monday. And I didn't get home to 1 a.m. Tuesday. Tuesday night, 
you know, we wrapped up early. We were jewel tankered. And I just knew I was going to get to bed early. And we went out to eat with Jewel and some other uh, some other ladies. And it was Dave and myself. We're out in Royal Oak. Because the event they had was in Royal Oak on Tuesday night. So, Tuesday, I, I ain't get home till 1 a.m. either. So, it's been a long week. Okay. So, we just posted information here on our Facebook, on the link here on the broadcast that we're doing. Okay, if you want information about our Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Economic Empowerment for African Americans Conference Call with Dave Anderson, founder of the Empowerment Radio Network and Michael M. Hotep, email me at info at africanhistorynetwork.com, info at africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, Louis Reed said, what's IML? That's iMarkets Live, okay? And now this evening, 7 p.m. in Atlanta, uh, uh, Dave, Dave is doing a screening of the documentary and he's traveling doing the screening of this documentary. He's coming back to Detroit in late March. I already talked to him about this. Generation One, the search for black wealth. Generation One, the search for black wealth. It's taking place in Atlanta tonight, February 3rd, 2017, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. located at 444 Highland Avenue, uh, uh, Northeast in Atlanta, Georgia. 444 Highland Avenue, Northeast in Atlanta, Georgia. The information is at economicempowermentseminar.com. That's for the screening tonight, screening and discussion tonight. The three strategies he's going to talk about for building wealth. Now, when we talk about building wealth, we're not talking about building wealth so you can have a portfolio of $1 million, uh, a portfolio value that $1 million and, st and still spend 97% of your dollars with people that don't look like you. We're not talking about that. OK, we're talking about building wealth and doing what the documentaries say we should do once we get the money, doing what the documentaries say we should do, like hidden colors. And they talk about Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, Hidden Colors 4, talks about funding and banking African-American entrepreneurs who have ideas for shoes, for a line of shoes, who have ideas for this and that. You need capital for that. OK, we lost over a trillion dollars worth of wealth. Over about the last 10 years, going back to the downturn in the housing industry in late 2007, we lost over we lost 53 percent of our wealth, African-Americans. We lost a lot of our homes. Our home ownership rate is down. The lowest has been in about the last 30, 40 years It's down to 41.7 percent. OK, so now people have less homes to put up for collateral to get a loan to start a business or expand the business, et cetera. 401k plans. We went through a time where they took a hit. All different types of things like this. People lost their homes, ran into financial ruin. So tonight he's going to talk about three strategies to create wealth. He's going to talk about real estate development. And, and one of the things he talks about is tax liens, tax lien certificates. We'll talk about that tonight. And we'll talk about this on the conference call also on Wednesday. He'll talk about business development and he'll talk about foreign currency exchange. Three strategies for wealth creation. Okay. Now there are other strategies out there. You can invest in the stock market, things like this. That's fine. The stock market, $134 billion is traded daily on the, on the, on the U.S. stock market. That's cool. $5.3 trillion is traded on a daily basis on the foreign currency exchange. Okay. Not against the stock market, phone stocks in the past. So he's going to talk about these three strategies tonight at the screening of Generation One in Atlanta. Starts at 7 p.m. Head on over there, those in the Atlanta area. Head on over to 444 North Highland, uh, 444 Highland Avenue, Northeast Atlanta, Georgia. Go to economicempowermentseminar.com, economicempowermentseminar.com. Information's right there on the homepage, okay? 
and uh, you can RSVP there as well, okay, if you want to. If you don't RSVP, still go on over, okay? Um, and then on the conference call next Wednesday, we're going to get deep into this as well, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay? Email me, info, I-N-F-O, at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com if you want more information um, about that, okay? Now, Lois Penny Bradford on Facebook said, while over insurance, that makes sense. David Neely on Facebook said dropping truth uh, nukes. Okay. All right. So um, we talked about Tamron Hall. And the uh, rest of this we'll get to Monday. All right. I want to remind you I'm doing a webinar. Saturday is my first webinar. I'm doing a webinar tomorrow, February 4th, 2017. 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturday. Should African Americans celebrate Black History Month exposing the myths? Should African Americans celebrate Black History Month exposing the myths? We're going to send out an email blast between tonight and tomorrow morning about this. It's a free webinar. When we send out the information, tell your friends. We have it posted on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network. We just posted the information again. Share that on your own Facebook page. Invite your friends to tune in. We have a Facebook event invite also. Just search for Black History Month and it'll come up. I posted it here on the thread of the broadcast as well. Okay. Um, so we'll do this. Okay. So Mark Amin, this is the troll you all have been telling me about. He said, Marquise Jones, I know you can say more than name calling. Why don't you address what I'm stating? Give a little dilation on the point I'm making, which is why I spend so much time on Megan Kelly. That's all not trolling. Well, actually, Mark, if you have been listening to the beginning of the segment, I talked about Tamron Hall and Tamron Hall leaving NBC, the Today Show, and leaving MSNBC, which centered around NBC bringing Megyn Kelly over from Fox News to uh, NBC, if you had been listening, okay? And then we went from two articles about Tamron Hall, and in those articles, they're talking about Megyn Kelly because those are interconnected, okay? Tamron Hall leaving and Megyn Kelly coming to NBC. Those are interconnected if you actually do the research. Then I went to an article from NewsOne.com that talks about that talks about uh, the name of this article, Mark, uh, and you should read it. It's called 10 of Megyn Kelly's Most Racist Moments, which means there are others. These are just 10 of the most these are just 10 of the most racist ones. OK, uh, so we're posting that here on the thread. All right. So it's interesting. I find it interesting when people come on here criticizing and have no clue what they're talking about. Okay, so uh, so Mark, I haven't blocked you. You can respond. I encourage you to read this information so you know what you're talking about because it's obvious. It's obvious you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, this is a big news story. It was trending on Facebook. Tamron Hall was trending on Facebook today. Do you know who Tamron Hall is, Mark? Okay. Do you know who that is? I know all black people may look alike to you, Mark, but Tamron Hall is an excellent journalist who was at NBC and MSNBC for 10 years. OK, don't get her confused with Joanne Reed or Jackie Reed or Halle Berry. Don't get don't, I know all black people look alike to you, Mark. Don't get them confused. OK, I don't I don't want you to be I don't want you to be more confused than you already are, Mark. All right. So read that. Um, I, I read some of your comments, Mark, but I'm doing a show, so I don't have time to read a bunch of comments from trolls. I have read some of your comments. 
but I'm doing a live radio show. I'm not just broadcasting on Facebook Live. This is a national radio show on the Empowerment Radio Network that I'm doing. Okay, this is why I have an actual industry standard microphone here, Mark. Okay, this is why I have a Comrex BrickLink unit. This is why I have an eight-channel mixer board here. I'm actually doing a live radio show, so I don't have time to read a lot of comments from trolls. All right, but I read enough to know you don't know what you're talking about. That's why I provided you with some information because right now it's correct wrong behavior. Okay. Um, now, Marquise Jones said networks white whitewashing and right wing in the networks. Yeah. And then um, we'll post this. We'll post this other article here um, from Huffington Post Black Voices. Okay. Um, This article here, we'll post this on the thread. We talked about that also because this article, see, Mark, there's something called the National Association of Black Journalists, okay, because there, there are African-American journalists. And the national, in this article here from Huffington Post Black Voices, which is actually written by a white woman, okay, by the way, Mark, just so you know, um, this article is called Exit by First Black Female Today Show Co-Host called whitewashing by journalist group called whitewashing by journalist group okay so you should read that one also we just posted that link on our on our on the thread here the broadcast mark so you should uh you said you said well well you can't call in mark because we're about to go off the air so i mean you could call in if you want to nobody's going to answer because we're about to go off the air i was supposed to be off at six but we got caught up and we stayed over so the show's about to end, okay? Um, he said, I got your information. All of it ain't saying much. Well, I'm saying, uh, well, uh, actually, Mark, I'm saying a lot. Maybe it's over Maybe it's over your comprehension level. I'm actually saying a lot. You know, you can listen to these podcasts at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I'm actually saying a lot. You can go back and watch the broadcast here. Uh, so maybe what I'm saying is over your comprehension level, which would not be surprising, especially if you get most of your information from Fox News. That's part of the problem because Fox News dumbs down, dumbs down its viewership, its viewers. They dumb down their viewers. Um, so and, and, and you are an example of that, Mark. So I, I can tell. OK. Um, all right. This date in African-American history, we'll be back from the break in one minute. And uh, we'll do this date in African-American history, and we'll end that, unless Mark wants to say something else and wants me to stick my foot further into, into his ass than it already is. Um, so that wouldn't be surprising. Okay, he may like that. I don't know. Um, let's see. Okay, so on Facebook, uh, let's see, on Megyn Kelly, and I answered the question about Megyn Kelly. The, the, the Tamron Hall is related to Megyn Kelly. If you read the article I just posted from Huffington Post Black Voices, you will know this. Okay, so then I gave people a background on who Megyn Kelly is from the article from News1.com. See, see, Mark, we have our own media also. Uh, you may not be, you probably never heard of News1.com. We have African-American media as well. You may find this hard to believe. But uh, I was giving background information because that's what a talk show host does. I know what I'm doing. That's why you're on my page and I'm not on yours. I know what I'm doing. So I'm giving background information on Megyn Kelly in case people are not exactly familiar with her. 
okay, and why there's so much outrage from the African-American community about Megyn Kelly being brought over to NBC and possibly replacing Tamron Hall in that 9 p in that 9 a.m. slot. OK. All right. So uh, while Mark um, picks himself up off the floor and um, collects his thoughts, February 3rd, this date in African-American history, the 15th Amendment. Giving African-Americans the right to vote was ratified on this date in 1870, the 15th Amendment. Then you're going to have Jim Crow laws after the Plessy versus Ferguson decision in 1896. And you're going to have literacy tests and all types of things like this, things that people like. Um, and then you're going to have this leads to the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III was against. And this is why he cheered the gutting of the Voting Rights Act. Uh, from the um, Holder versus uh, from the um, Shelby County versus Holder decision 2013 from the U.S. Supreme Court. Here's an article for people to, to, to read. Share this with your right wing friends. They probably haven't read this article from the nation dot com. Jeff Sessions has spent his whole career opposing voting rights. Jeff Sessions has spent his whole career opposing voting rights. Imagine what he would do as the most powerful lawyer in the country because Donald J. Trump nominated Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III to be his attorney general. Why? Because he, because he thinks the same way that Trump thinks. This is why. This day in 1874, Blanche Kelso Bruce, Blanche K. Bruce in Mississippi was elected to a full six-year term in the U.S. Senate. This day in 1874. This date in uh, 1956, Arthurine Juanita Lucy became the first black student at the University of Alabama. This date in 1956. Uh, this date in um, 1981, the Air Force Academy discontinued its ban on considering the application of persons with the sickle cell anemia trait on this date, 1981. Many people felt uh, this ban had stigmatized African-Americans. Let me repeat. In, on February 3rd, 1981, the uh, United States Air Force Academy discontinued their ban on considering the applications of people with the sickle cell anemia trait. Many people felt this ban had stigmatized African-Americans. Okay, you can read more facts about this date in African-American history and African history at yanoba.com y-e-n-o-b-a yanoba.com and if you can't read get somebody to read it to you okay and zinga on facebook said rest relax brother thank you all right she was laughing out loud a lot of lols okay lois penny bradford said preach javon taylor said he used uh he's used to blacks just uh praying about it okay um Lizzie Bishop said, brother, stop entertaining him, please. Uh, no, I'm not entertaining him. I'm explaining to him. I'm not entertaining. I'm explaining. I'm also using him as target practice, using him as an example as well. David Neely said, drop that truth bomb, Mr. M. Hotel. Uh, Lois Penny Bradford, hopefully NBC's ratings will drop. So I'm sharing information with him. Um... Uh, so when you know better, you do better. So read those articles, mark them in. We'll be back Monday. You can tune back in 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and hopefully you, you will, would have learned something over the weekend. All right. So, hey, the webinar is coming up uh, Saturday, this tomorrow. 
2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, should African Americans celebrate Black History Month exposing the myth? So in this webinar, we deal with the whole history of uh, African American History Month, why it was created, what we need to do to make it relevant for today and the future. Um, and then we'll deal with the spellings of myths in our history. We'll deal with the African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years ago. Um, we'll deal with some other um, information as well, documented evidence, okay? It's information a lot of people don't know. It's a free seminar, free webinar. Um, do, 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 do. Okay, Mark, have a good day. All right. Um, so we have a, a free, and then we're going to have subsequent webinars this month uh, on the on Saturday. A lot of them on Saturday, so you'll hear more about that. I'm doing this in conjunction with Black Then, BlackThen.com. Uh, they have a Black History School, uh, so I'm doing this in conjunction with Black Then. You know, we share a lot of articles from Black Then uh, on our fan page, the African History Network, here on the show. So that's Shantae Pruitt and. Um, I forgot the other sister's name with Black Den. Um, Shantae is the one I always talk to. So we're doing this. We're partnering together. Um, so we're going to have this. Uh, let me see. Okay. Here's another excerpt of uh, uh, Hidden Colors 4, The Religion of White Supremacy. You can place your orders right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have orders shipping out this weekend. And then all 30 of my DVD lectures are there. My latest one um, is The Distortion of the Legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The Revolutionary Will Not Be Televised. The Revolutionary Will Not Be Televised. Um, the full presentation of Should African Americans Celebrate Black History Month is available at our website. It's a four and a half hour presentation. Here is an excerpt of it. All right, so when we look at the $2 bill, if you look on the reverse side, this is what is depicted right now. Uh, unfortunately, there's some misinformation about the $2 bill. Um, if you look at the what's circled in red, the way this myth goes is that this person is uh, John Hansen the Moore, the black John Hansen, okay? Uh, this scene is from June 28, 1776. It's not the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It is the drafting of the Declaration of Independence by the five-man committee. Okay, The adoption of the Declaration of Independence doesn't occur until the, to the 4th of July, 1776, but it's not completely signed until uh, about August of um, 1776 August 2nd of 1776 um, you have about 52 signers who have signed it but there's still six who have not signed it but it was adopted the 4th of July 1776 okay now I've heard some Prince Hall Masons say that that's Prince Hall there as well okay now here's here's the problem with this theory this depiction is from a painting done by an artist named John Trumbull, Trumbull, which was commissioned in 1817, okay? Next, what you see here is the actual painting from John Trumbull, all right? You can go to answers.com and search for a, a $2 bill, 
as well as Declaration of Independence. When you search for Declaration of Independence, look at the entry from uh, the Columbia Encyclopedia, which does an excellent job on it, and they talk about the actual um, signing of it August 2nd, 1776, as opposed to July 4th. which most people think is the 4th of July. However, even though John Hancock signed it July 4th, most of the others did not. Okay. Now, when you look at the painting, you'll see that nobody on the paintings of African descent. You'll see that the person who we had circled on the $2 bill, in fact, just has a shadow over his face. He's clearly European. He just has a shadow over his face. What has happened is that when that painting gets depicted on the $2 bill and you're dealing with shades of uh, white and green or what have you, okay, it darkens his face and it gives fodder to the myth that this was a person of African descent. All right. As we get more into this dealing with John Hansen and dispelling this myth about John Hansen, you'll understand this as well. But on the back of the $2 bill, there was no one of African descent uh, on the back of the $2 bill. All right. And this is easily verifiable. Proper documentation ends all conversation. Okay, so that's an example of what we're going to deal with tomorrow. That's an example of what we're going to deal with tomorrow on the free webinar that I'm doing. Okay. Um, you can sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T to 22828. I'll post it right now, um, here on the thread of the Facebook live broadcast. Uh, sign up for our email newsletter, um, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T to 22828. And, uh, I'm going to send out the, um, Facebook live broadcast and, um, I'm going to send out the uh, email, uh, the email newsletter, uh, either tonight or in the morning. We also have information here posted on our uh, fan page, the African History Network, about the uh, about the uh, about the training tomorrow, the uh, webinar. Okay, but that's an example of what we're going to talk about tomorrow. Okay, and I'm working on getting this. Uh, uh, Posted on our website right now as well. Okay. All right. So look, uh, visit AfricanHistoryNetwork.com in a few minutes. We'll have it there on the on the homepage. Okay. Um, and because I'm doing that right now, and you know this is what we'll do. Hold on. I want to make sure I get this up before we um, get off the air because we still have some time here. Um, Here is um let's see which one is this okay, here's another excerpt from um hidden colors four uh the religion of white supremacy here's another excerpt and this is one of those harsh lessons that the black community is still to learn Be- and and kingdoms and defending ourselves against the Greek army, the Roman army, the Turkish army, the Persian armies. We're some little rinky-dink Italians. We can handle this, and they handle it. And when King Menelik in Ethiopia defeated the Italians, what's interesting, the Western media 
started to portray King Menelik as a white man. So this man was a, a clearly a black African brother. There was pictures of him in the whole nine, but the Western media started to show cartoons and images of him as being white because they didn't want to let the world see that the European had been defeated by this African man. Traditional African religions, particularly the one from ancient Egypt and Sudan, venerated this idea called ma'at. And ma'at, roughly speaking, you could translate it as truth, as justice, as righteousness, as reciprocity. The problem is, is when you're being attacked by people who don't believe any of that, and you are trying to do the ma'atic thing, they will beat you, unfortunately. And this is one of those harsh lessons that the black community is still to learn. The assumption that another group's view of humanity is the same as ours. The assumption that another group's understanding of divinity is the same as ours. The African moved from the premise that everybody was a brother and thus should be treated and accorded that kind of brothership and brotherhood. The European moved from a position that what is mine is mine and what is yours is mine if I can take it. You had a war culture coming in contact with an agrarian culture. The war culture is always going to win because the war culture doesn't put any value on human life. And that means it has no barometer to how much death and destruction it will carry out. People talk about the greatness of Africa, and we, we see some of the great empires that we had over in Africa. And naturally, a lot of people will say, okay, if we had all these great empires, where did Africa go wrong? There's several situations that, that happened. One thing that happened with Africa, you had Mansa Musa. Now, Mansa Musa, according to most historians, West African black man who was a king in, in the area that we know as Mali and Timbuktu, the wealthiest man to ever live. and Mansa Musa's situation was a gift and a curse because Mansa Musa, he went around the world basically just giving out gold. This man had so much money, he could give money away. And he gave so much money out, it, it decimated certain economies in other nations. So it showed the humanity of the African people and the generosity of the African people. But you showed people that you had all of this wealth, so now people are plotting on you. So when people saw Mansa Musa giving out all that money, he became lunch to everybody else. So Africa started to get raided and flooded with all types of people trying to take advantage of the wealth and the resources that were in Africa. The tide rises and falls. I mean, what are we talking about? We're not, we're not supposed to be a victim of time. When you're going into Africa, you're going into Africa when it was falling, when it was old and worn out, trying to nurture and educate the East Indians, the Chinese, and the Europeans. We were trying to help all of these people to raise them up to a higher level, and they wore us out. Even today, you'll get worn out if you talk to a certified Negro under warranty. They will wear you out. We didn't take military matters seriously. We didn't take warfare seriously. And I'm aware that the propaganda where the West presents such as the Zulus as a highly militaristic nation. Unfortunately, we needed a lot more Zulus and a lot more people on that militaristic thing because historically that's where we were weak. I don't know why Nubia failed. Besides all nations fall. Rome failed, Greece failed, the current empires you're in are gonna fall and new superpowers are gonna come. 
So yeah, we failed. Kings died. Other people mishandled money. The same thing that happened with your grandmama inheritance after she died. The same thing. Some of your cousins went and wilded out with it. The other your cousins took it and created their own little things. The same thing happened. But the question is, how do we create in Israel? How do we create in India? How do we create a Germany? How do we create something for us? Because we need something. You know, Dr. John Henry Clark was like, we, we're yelling that we want a nation and it's nation time. And we don't even know how to build a train. The Japanese bought one train, reverse engineered that train. Now they're selling trains. Any nation fails is you don't want it to fall again. So ultimately, if I, if I wanted to find out why any black nation failed, I would, I would go to the most recent one because the most recent one works by our recent standards of governing and governance, and that would be Haiti. Why did Haiti fail? Haiti was, was sabotaged by France. Haiti was looted and she was sanctioned globally. Haiti offered any blacks anywhere in the hemisphere, from the Dominican Republic, the United States, if you can escape from slavery and get here, you're a free man and we protect the integrity of your freedom. That is what the anger against Haiti was about. Haiti was the first free republic that offered freedom to any enslaved people, black or white, from anywhere. If you make it to these lands, our army will protect your integrity. For 444 years of the European enslavement of African people, you had the best and the brightest of African people steadily taken out. And then after that genocide, after that Holocaust, Europeans decided that they were going to go in now after the Berlin Conference and control the land for another 88 years. So Africa has only been free for less than 50 years, but it's still suffering from the ravages of 444 years of slavery, 88 years of colonization. You don't recover from that automatically unless there are plans in place to aid your recovery. After Europe was destroyed during World War I and World War II, you had the Marshall Plan and other plans that were implemented by the United States in order to rebuild Europe. Look at photographs of, of London, photographs of, of, of Paris after the war, after the bombing, and then see what American aid did 20 years later to rebuild those cities. So we think that Europe has always looked like that. No, Europe, Europe has had more wars than Africa has had, but, they now, but they've had access to resources to rebuild. Africa hasn't had the ability to, to rebuild. There was no revolution there. There was no independence granted. All they were doing, done was to make a few Negroes wealthy and then uh, y'all manage the apartheid poverty for us. But we'll keep all of our banks, we'll keep all of our mines, we'll keep all of our industry. We're not sharing nothing with you. We'll keep the best 80% of the farmland and you can't even come into our little towns. There are towns in South Africa we don't know the names of. That's the most prosperous, most beautiful places in the world. White folks are retiring from Europe every day. The, especially the aristocrats going there to live. And they make us think South Africa is Johannesburg. Colonial powers of Europe left African nations. They took everything, even the light bulbs. They ripped up the train tracks. They said, if we're leaving, we're going to make sure that you won't be able to sustain yourself. And they destroyed everything. It's, it's no different than what happened in America after emancipation. When they left, they destroyed all. Oh, Guinea is one of the classic cases. They even took the toilet paper. They took everything out of Guinea. And then, from the international marketplace, fought to keep Guinea from ever developing international trade with Europe. 
Guinea has the largest supply of iron ore in the world. Who do you think control and own it? Some Israeli mega captains. You know, you're zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, and so on. Those numbers that we have are, people call them Arabic numerals. They're not Arabic, they're Hindu. But the mathematicians that introduced me to Europe were, in fact, uh, African mathematicians. The fraction bar, where you've got, you know, two fraction seven and the fraction bar, that was something that was invented by an African uh, mathematician. Some of the most advanced math textbooks during the period were again written by Moorish mathematicians. Where it comes to the areas of astronomy, where it comes to um, areas such as navigation, uh, map making and so on. So there was a Moorish geographer called El Idrisi and he was the one that said in his book that the world is as round as a sphere and the waters are held to it by what he calls natural equilibrium. You can work out what he really means, gravity. And he says that the world is divided into 360 degrees. Now this was 1153. And then that gives you some idea of what kind of intellects we're talking about. Guinea was the French word, the European word for West Africa. So in all of Africa, some point was called Guinea. And so when they get in the Pacific, they see all the black folks, so they say, okay, this is the new Guinea. That's why it's called New Guinea. You got New Caledonia, you got uh, Vanuatu, you had Australia. These are all African populations. Easter Island is off of the coast of South America going into the Pacifics. And all of the statues there are statues of African images. The statues in Easter Island, they look identical to ancient face masks that's from West Africa. Also in Easter Island, there's an ancient script called Rongo Rongo. And this writing looks identical to African hieroglyphics. Also, there's an East African tribe called the Rongo tribe. Also, there's another very remote Pacific island called Nukuhiva. Now this place is in the middle of nowhere, but there are statues on this island that look identical to ancient statues that are in Nigeria. So we definitely have evidence of an African presence in some of the most remote places around the globe. You know, the Mammy uh, Monument uh, came on the heels of the creation of the Lincoln Memorial. Lincoln Memorial was built in uh, 1922, right? So uh, it was a memorial in honor of the 16th president, the first president of the United States to be assassinated. Abraham Lincoln, the man who uh, brought on the Civil War, the man who uh, was responsible for uh, ending slavery, and he was assassinated for that. So a decision was made to build this memorial to honor Abraham Lincoln. And as a result, the backlash from uh, Southern politicians was to now find a way to undo all of the celebration regarding making Abraham Lincoln a hero. And that idea was to create a Mammy monument to honor those blacks who submitted to slavery in order to present a counterpoint to Abraham Lincoln. What stopped that whole Mammy movement, because they weren't just talking about putting the statue up in Washington, they were trying to put the statues up all across the South in every major capital in the South. They wanted one of these types of statue. 
and and the, with this rationale, but it was the black newspaper and the black community that rose up, and the NACP that that then got with the liberals in government to crush that movement because they were serious about doing this. All right, that's another excerpt, powerful excerpt of Hidden Colors for the Religion of White Supremacy. Uh, Hidden Colors 4 is available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, also, we have the Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack. You get all uh, four installments of Hidden Colors. You get four of my DVD presentations and one installment of Afro Man and the Protectors of the Book of Knowledge for one low price. Uh, it's regularly, that's a $145 value. It's available right now at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's about uh, it's about 110 I think it is. Uh, so it's a great value. Uh, also, we have the information about the um, webinar, the free webinar I'm doing. Should African Americans celebrate Black History Month? It's right on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. I just put that on there. That's what I was doing while that clip was playing. So you can go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, RSVP for the free webinar I'm doing. Uh, Saturday, February 4th, 2017, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. So it's a free uh, webinar. Invite your friends to it also. Got to get out of here. Hey, remember on the Michael M. Hotep show, we focus on educating, empowering, inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now this corrects wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll talk to you Sunday night for the African History Network show. And remember, the audio podcast of all these shows are available at African. The audio podcast of all these shows are available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com also. Okay? Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you all Sunday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the African History Network show on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstate. Dying just like miscarriages. We've been at it two zero years, changing the narrative. Father to my two kids, plus to add to my parenting. We took on a teen in a desperate need of a family. He was jacking cars and some other type of insanity, playing the role that media said.